So what is the fastest growing area of fraud that we see in our investigative agency? If you've been watching our channel for years, you've known that we've talked about Ponzi schemes, other types of corporate fraud, embezzlement, but there's a new type that's popping up that just in the last you know, 12 to 18 months is going through the roof. Now, before we go further, make sure that you know about our other two YouTube channels. We have actualhuman.com, YouTube channel and also one at describe.tv. You'll see the links below where we talk about many of these subjects in more detail. We have live events on a daily basis. We have large scale interactive events where you can talk back and forth with the with the executives and the professionals. So make sure you check out those channels for our loyal viewers and subscribers. Go look at those and see if those are of interest. So that being said, what's going on with fraud, right? The biggest growth, the fastest growing area of fraud is what we call family law fraud. Now remember, we're not attorneys, we're not giving you legal advice, but we're seeing cases skyrocket in two or three areas. If you are in any family that has any one of these events happening in it, you have somebody going through a divorce, there was a death in the family or a birth of a baby, a newborn, keep these things in mind make sure you're aware of these things and pass this along to people that you know that have one of these events what are these frauds family law fraud first we'll talk about probate fraud well actually let's talk about divorce fraud because that's an easier one to understand you have two people fighting because they're breaking up right it's acrimonious there's a lot of conflict they hate each other for one reason or another and they're both trying to get out of this divorce with as much money as possible right? It's called settlement, division of assets, community property. There may be spousal maintenance, child support, alimony, all these things are being settled, negotiated. So these parties don't care about each other. They don't care about the other person doing okay. They are out for themselves. So what they do is they try to conceal or divert assets so they get a bigger share of the pie than they're supposed to. Both people do, not just one, it's both people do this. We look at 10 to 12 divorce asset cases a week in almost every single case we find that both parties are actually trying to improperly divert money and you want to not let that happen because it's cheating you out of what's coming to you what you deserve you want to get a good asset search on that divorce case so how do they do it well everything from hidden bank accounts many times somebody in a divorce will know that they're going to start this divorce or be afraid of it or be aware of it many months or years in advance. So they may start this process years before. They may open up a bank account, a hidden bank account that you don't know about. They may put money into one of their relatives' names or a friend's name or a coworker. They may take assets and put them in somebody else's name or hide them, vehicles, real estate, corporate assets, right? Business assets, they may hide those. Another way to do it, which is kind of sneaky, is they might overpay their taxes. So they might write a check to the IRS, to the treasury for more than what their tax bill is. Or they might set up their withholdings on their payroll to actually put more money in their tax account. Because if you overpay your taxes, at some point you can either credit it to what you owe in the future or just get a cash refund, right? We had one client who wasn't aware of any of this. They just thought there was hiding money in a in a bank account because there wasn't enough money compared to what this person, the other person was making. 
what we found is we did we looked at their their withholdings on their paycheck it was too much money they had actually told their employer to put an extra $800 a week in withholdings that was $40,000 a year for 2 years that they had put into overpayment of taxes it was $80,000 that they had overpaid their taxes knowing full well that at some point they were going to get a divorce and what they were planning on doing was after the divorce taking the 80,000 and saying oh my bad i paid too much give it back and get cash if they owed some taxes they would put it towards that so make sure you get tax transcripts and you look at those things another way of doing it is by putting the money into some other form cryptocurrency it could be even things like casino chips. We've seen people go to the casino, buy a bunch of chips, gamble a little bit, but not all the chips, and then hide those casino chips. That can happen. Or buy things like Rolex watches or something you could resell. Now, that's a case where the people are fighting. You expect them to try to rip each other off. What about probate cases? How, how does that work? Well, usually what happens is somebody dies in a family. You know, Grandpa Joe, 92 years old, God bless him, knock on wood, he dies, right? Okay. Well, Grandpa Joe has assets, real estate, bank accounts, insurance, maybe vehicles, maybe antiques, maybe corporate assets. Who knows what Grandpa Joe has? And that is willed or given to different heirs, different descendants, or maybe not even in the family. So what happens is, as Grandpa Joe's getting older, maybe everybody knows in advance, you know, he's got dementia, maybe he's in a nursing home, maybe he's sick in hospice. Or maybe he just dies suddenly. But at some point when people realize that this person is going to die, they start to say, well, what's in it for me? How can I conceal these assets? Maybe they start writing checks from his bank account and put the money somewhere. Maybe they do a quitclaim deed on a piece of real estate, a piece of hunting land that he had up in the woods that nobody will know about. Maybe they find an old antique car in a, garage, in a barn and then they put that somewhere right? There's hundreds of ways to conceal assets in a probate. What's worse about this is these are people that like each other. So when you are a member of a family and are stealing money from that estate, you're essentially stealing it from the other living relatives that are still alive that you should be respecting. You're going to see them at the family reunion. You're going to go to their wedding. You're going to, right? These are your siblings, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, and they're stealing money. They do it all the time. So anytime there's a death in the family, it doesn't matter who the executor is. Sometimes the executor is in on it. Get a good asset search and asset tracing. Get a good inventory of those assets to make sure that what's rightfully yours or even other people's go to them. Because here's the thing. If you let them get away with it, you are disrespecting the will of the person who died. And will is literally what you're talking about it's their will they want this to happen and a will is a document that evidences that so if you are letting somebody get away with it you're disrespecting that dead person's wishes right you don't want to do that they lived a good life they you want them to have whatever they wanted to happen after their death so probate case man get asset searches we're seeing hundreds of them the last one is what about if there's a new baby? Somebody gets born in a family. Well, you may not realize this, but when a person's born, it creates an opportunity for what's called a synthetic identity. There's scammers out there, sometimes within the family, that will use the identity of that baby to open up credit accounts, to get a social security number, to do things. And what happens is, because a baby doesn't have any financial 
activity until they're maybe 12, 14, 16, depending upon you know how they live their life. There's nothing watching this. There's no observation of it. So if a family member or even outside the family knows this person's born, they say, hmm, what can I do? They get a new social security number, they open accounts, they start running up credit. Of course, if you're gonna do something like this, you're not running up credit to get a good credit score. If you, do, if you would do that, you do it on your own credit. They do this to ruin the credit. So now this poor kid at 16 wants to buy a car or wants to co-sign on a loan or maybe get a credit card or 18, he finds out his credit's been trashed for the last 15 years. So if you have a new member of the family, maybe it's your kid, maybe you have a, you know, a new baby as a, as a couple or as a, a mother, first thing you wanna do is get a social security number and freeze the credit, lock the credit and monitor it. Every year or two, get a credit report on that social security number, get a credit profile. You can do all this for free through the credit bureaus, credit freeze, credit lock. You can do all these things. There's companies out there that will charge you a fee, you know, monitor your credit. You probably don't need to do that. If you do it yourself, it's pretty much free, but definitely keep an eye on it because you hate to wake up 20 years down the road and have your son, your daughter, somebody in your family realize that now it's time to go out into the world and start to buy houses, buy cars, get jobs, and find out your credit is ruined or you have criminal records. So you want to protect that identity so somebody doesn't do a synthetic identity. And that's a, that's a big thing we're seeing. Hopefully that's helpful. Keep an eye on our channel for more videos about fraud and check out our other channels for uh, more detailed and live events coming up. And as always, keep putting your comments below to let us know what you're seeing out there in the world for fraud, investigations, cyber attacks, Ponzi schemes, because we like to hear what's happening on your end.